I, I wanted to um, go on. You remember we looked at um, man shall not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You live by the word of God. But many people today live by prayer, live by uh, fasting, live by all sorts of things. Uh, the one thing they never live by is the word of God. They don't know the word of God. They don't study the word of God. They come to church on a Sunday and that is the sum total of their experience of God um, because they're not living according to faith. Uh, and I wanted to deal this morning with uh, the truth. What does the Bible say? Because in the end, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You see, this morning, if you're sick, you're sick because you're not well. That's obvious, isn't it? Because if you were well, you wouldn't be sick. Uh, if you are sick, you can ask God to heal you because healing is in the atonement. Now, for goodness sake, if you are sick and God doesn't heal you, go to the best doctors. My advice to you is get the best doctor. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says this, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Now, so often I hear Christians turn around and say the flesh is somehow evil. Flesh isn't evil. I mean, you are what you are. Jesus Christ has come uh, and the life is in our flesh. That's why in 1 John it says that you've got to confess that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. It's in your flesh that God manifests himself. Don't ever get this idea that somehow you're a dichotomy, somehow there's God's in your spirit, but in your flesh there's just evil. That is totally anti-Christian. God lives in your flesh. You understand that? Body, soul, and spirit he came to redeem. Well, actually, God is quite capable when he comes of lighting the whole of you. He quickens your mortal flesh. Do you understand that? Don't ever get this idea that somehow God needs releasing. He really is free. And um, he doesn't need releasing, even in you. Uh, that's the wonderful thing. Our God is a mighty God. Okay? says here, I, I am crucified. And, and really, if you look at it, it, it really says, I was. In the authorized version, it says, I am. But you were. 2,000 years ago, Christ was crucified. You were crucified in him. 2,000 years ago. It's not present, it's past. Hey, it's happened. Now, it's not something you're looking for, it's something that's happened. It's happened, 
And the only reason you don't live in the fullness of it is you don't believe it. Man shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I've got to believe what God says. I had been crucified with Christ. Sin, disease, bondage was dealt with 2,000 years ago. I had been crucified with Christ. We're coming up to Easter time. Next weekend we've got our Easter conference. Let me tell you, the one thing that's most important and the one thing that Christians ignore is Calvary is past. And everything that God has done for our salvation is already done. Redemption is complete. There is nothing that God is going to do more than he's already done. But it takes you to believe it. Believe what God says. You see, you live by faith. And the big battle is inside, people will turn around and say, well, it doesn't work for me. The only reason it doesn't work for you is you don't really believe it. You say, well, I thought it's the faith of the Son of God. Sure it is. It's not your faith. But what he says is true. I'm one of those that just happens to believe what God says is true. There is no way I'll ever doubt his word. I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, it's impossible if someone comes along to me and says, well, you've got to die to this if you've got to die to that. How can I die to it? I died to it 2,000 years ago. Whatever the bondage in your life, Whatever the need in your life, you're dead to it and it is dead to you. It happened 2,000 years ago. The only reason you live with it is because you want to believe the lie of the devil and you want to give power to the devil and to your sin and you don't want to live the way God intends and it's your free will to choose to go wrong. That's it. You've got choice. Doesn't alter the fact that 2,000 years ago you died in him. Everyone on the whole of creation died in him 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ paid the price. The only reason people don't live in the benefit of it is because of their will. They choose not to. They choose to reject him. They choose not to accept what he's done for them. That's the only reason. It's nice to say, oh no, well you don't understand. There's this reason, that, no, no. Your problem is you. God has done everything. The only problem in this equation is you. It's lovely to say, well, you know, the devil makes me do it or... No, no, you are your problem. 2,000 years ago, it was done. 
I was crucified, or have been, as the NIV would like to say, crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but what? Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And he goes on, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? And obedience is the question. And when you really come down to the hub of the gospel, everything depends on your obedience. Do you want to go God's way? Do you want to live for God's will? Do you want totally to be surrendered to God or not? It always comes down to your obedience. That's all. This morning, every single one of you can walk into total freedom. Why? Because you've already got it. It's not something that God will do, it's something God has already done. The only reason you're not living in it is because you don't accept it. By grace are you say through faith, and that not of yourself, it's a gift. It's a free gift. God says, hey, you can stand up this morning and say, right, that's it. I'm going to live different. And lo and behold, you can live in the fullness of what Christ has done for you. It's not something you have to strive for. It's not something you struggle for. It's something that's true. It's done. And the hardest thing to get over to people is that God's already done all he's going to do. What an absurd thing that people around the world are praying for revival. God's done what he's going to do. What are you asking him to do? Die again? What are you asking him to do? Pour out his spirit again? What are you asking him to do? You think about it. People are praying. They say, oh God, turn the hearts of my relatives. Do this for this person, do that. Well, I tell you, he's already done everything he's going to do. He's not going to do any more than he's done. He's not going to do any more than he's done. In your life, I want to tell you, for every need, God has done everything he's going to do. It's done. There is no more. Calvary is past. He's never going to go again to the cross. He won't. And if you're one of those people that struggles and asks God, oh God, do this, do that. Hey, he's done it. The only thing you've got to wake up to is the fact that it's already complete. When he said it is finished, he meant it. It's done. The struggle is you want God to do something more. Well, he won't. God is not going to do more than he's done. And when you start telling people that, they say, well... Right. That would stop a lot of your prayers, wouldn't it? 
Hmm? So how do people get saved then? I'll tell you. Someone needs to go and tell them that God has done it all. It takes the preaching of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. You tell people the good news. Hey, it's already done. What are you waiting for? You are free. Why are you living in prison? It's already complete. It really is. The only reason you don't want to accept it, you don't want to live in it, you don't want to be part of it, so you live in your sin. Your problem is you reject God. Someone came to me years ago, he said to me, hey, he said, I need deliverance. I said, what from? He said, smoking. I smoke 60 cigarettes a day. I said, I can tell you the way to break the habit of smoking and you'll never smoke again. I guarantee it. He said, what is it? I said, never put another cigarette in your mouth and light it. That's the end of it. It's like people who drink too much. The reason you drink is because you like it. The only reason you're bound by it is because of your desires. You have the power in God to stop any moment you want because 2,000 years ago you have been crucified with Christ. Sin and the sin problem was dealt with once and for all. The power of it was dealt with and God comes in your flesh and it's over. And when you believe it, your problem's over. Now, it's no good saying, oh, well, uh, you know, I'm waiting for God to deliver me. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. As I was saying to the pastors, watch out. Um, the Jethro principle never came out of the mouth of God. It came out of the mouth of Jethro. Gamaliel's advice came out of the mouth of Gamaliel. Not everything in the book is the word of God. There's a lot of things in the book that aren't spoken by God. They're spoken by other people. Don't obey them. Balaam said a lot of things. Don't obey that. You've got to see who spoke it, who it was spoken to. But if it's in the book and God spoke it, you live by it. And this is a word you can live by. You have been crucified with Christ. It is complete. You're without excuse. It's done. God has done everything you need. Okay? Do you understand that? Or shall I explain it again? Do you understand? Yes. Are you sure? God is not going to do anything else for you. He's done it all. It's over. Is that clear? Hello? Are you sure? I have been crucified with Christ. <coughs> Nevertheless I live, yet not I but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live where? 
in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Is that true? Can you say that's true? Now you can only live by the faith of the Son of God if you actually believe the words that he speaks and you live by them. You see, you've got to live by faith. But faith cometh by hearing the word of God and man lives by every word that proceeds out the mouth of God. So if you don't live in obedience to what God says, you don't live in life. That's the choice. Everything God says, I believe. That's it. Romans chapter 4. Verse 25 says this, Jesus was delivered for our offences and was raised again for our justification. Verse 25, Jesus was delivered for our offences and was raised again for our justification. That means everything that offended God, everything you've done in your life that was an offence to God, Jesus was delivered to death for that. There's nothing in your life that God didn't take and deal with by divine justice on Calvary's tree. There's no sin, there's no offense that God didn't take and put upon his son. He became sin who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He was delivered for our offences. Every single thing you've ever done in your life that's wrong, contrary to God, Jesus was delivered to Calvary's tree for that. There is nothing that you have ever done in your life that Christ did not pay the price for. Legally, he took your sin every single thing you've ever done, every contrary attitude in your life that's an offence to God, Jesus became that offence. There is no instant in your life where Jesus did not take it. Everything. Doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter when you did it, Jesus Christ took it. And he also took the sin of the whole world into his own body. He was delivered for our offenses. Calvary is there as a testimony of what you did wrong and God's righteous judgment on what you did. Death. In the day that a man sins, he shall surely die. Jesus tasted death for you. Your offenses he took into his own body on the tree. There is nothing ever that anyone can hold against you and say that God hasn't dealt with it. 
There's nothing in your past, there'll be nothing in your future that God did not deal with. And there's nothing in your present. Everything is dealt with. And it says he was raised for our justification. When he rose up from the dead, it became clear that your sin and my sin was totally forgiven, that he had paid the full price for it, and on the third day he rose again from the dead for my justification, that everyone might know that justice divine had been satisfied. Legally, God has dealt with every single thing you've ever done wrong in your life, and it's over, it's finished, there is nothing else, there's no more sacrifice for sin, there's no way you can know any extra sacrifice for sin, it's done, it's finished, it's dealt with, every offense is dealt with, and you are free. It's finished. And God wanted you to know it, and Jesus rose up from the dead, that you might know that God the Father said, everything has been satisfied in heaven's court, and there is no sin, there is no offense, that can ever be held against you. Never. If so be, you accept Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. It is not universal. It doesn't mean that you have a right to it, but by true repentance, true new birth, and walking in newness of life. Is that plain? And that is your free will. The price has been paid. Now are you going to accept what God did for you? That's the only question. Do you accept him? Do you accept him as your sin bearer? Do you accept him as the one who's paid the price for your offenses? Do you accept that what he did... And what God says he did is total, complete, and finished. Jesus was delivered for our offenses. He was raised for our justification. That's the truth. That's what happened at Calvary. If you're thinking it's something else, you're wrong. Every single sin, every single offense of all mankind was dealt with there. Now, you might not be a beneficiary of it, because you reject him and you reject the truth <laughs> but that's your choice it doesn't mean that it hasn't been dealt with it's folly if God's done everything not to accept the free gift isn't it hmm? is that plain no is that plain to you all my sin was laid on him Put your hand on your chest. I want you to say this after me. I have no right to feel bad about myself. Jesus took my offenses into his own body. 
He rose again for my justification. I have no right to hold on to my sin. I need to get smart. Colossians chapter 2. It's good you've got a Bible. It can't go wrong, you know, with a Bible. As long as it's good authorized version. <laughs> Colossians chapter 2. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances, touch not, taste not, handle not, which are all to perish with the using, after the commandments and doctrines of men? Look, look men tell you, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, you've got to do the other. Men want to put on you a load of rules and regulations. They're always up to it. God doesn't. There's manners of behavior, but the rules of men, the commandments and doctrines of men are, are false. It's amazing that God never instituted it. Man instituted it. Man has this idea that somehow he can add to what Jesus has already done. Well, you can't. Somehow you can do something for your salvation. Well, I'm telling you, you can't. God did it all. It's all finished. One of the things you've got to understand about Jesus, when he went off, he left his disciples behind when he went off to pray. Whenever he went off to pray, he didn't take his disciples with him. Didn't say, let's have a prayer meeting together. In the end, they said, oh Lord, teach us to pray. They didn't, couldn't figure out what he was doing. He, he tried to explain that God was their father. He said, when you pray, say, our father, which art in heaven. Hey, you've got to know who he is. Uh, you've got to know your relationship. You're a child of God. You've got to know that God wants you to do his will on earth as it is in heaven. You've got to know those things that he'll always provide you daily bread. You've got to know he's the provision and the provider for you. But he never ever spent his time praying in front of them. It's interesting, isn't it? When he went up the mountain to pray, he didn't take his disciples with him. He sent them off. He said, you go to the other side of the water. And then a storm arose. Do you remember? And he came walking in the middle of the night on the storm. He didn't stay all night praying. That's a lie of the devil. Came walking on the water. He was going to pass them by. And they got a bit frightened. Thought it was his spirit. <coughs> You want to read what your Bible says. Didn't get them all together and say, hey, let's all have a prayer. He said, you go over the other side. Get on with your work. Find too many people. Easiest way to sin and do nothing is to pray. 
Now, I believe we should pray always. I think prayers continue in giving thanks to God, but it's inside you. Your heart should be a place of prayer and thanksgiving to God at all times. Relationship should never be broken. That is prayer, true prayer. That is what the Greek word means. It's a love relationship, a total yielding to God. Uh, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in the cross. Hey, every principality and power God has dealt with. Jesus dealt with it because the only power the devil ever had was the power of deception. He deceived Eve. He said to Eve, don't you know you can be like God? One, one Peter, in one, one Peter. Says this in verse 6, especially for the women. One Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Verse 6 of one Peter chapter 5. Are you there? One Peter chapter 5. Verse 6, verse 6, all the ladies can read this out. <laughs> Come on, ladies. I hope you, now repeat it. What? Go on, repeat it. I notice, do you notice how their voice picked up on the second bit? <laughs> do you notice that? <laughs> oh dear, let's all read it together. Humble yourselves. Next verse. And verse 8. Verse 9. You know the devil goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. How are you to resist him? Steadfast in the faith. What faith? What faith? Where does faith come from? Where does faith come from? Hearing the word of God. 
The word of God says that Jesus Christ spoiled every principality and power, that the devil has no power, that, that all authority is being given unto Jesus, doesn't it? So when the enemy comes, what do you do? You resist him in the faith. What is the faith? He has no power, he has no right, he has no ability. Clear off! Isn't that faith? It's not to say, oh, oh, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus. That's fear. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Why? You resist him steadfast in the faith. The reason people end up in the domination of the devil is they don't live in faith, they don't believe the word of God, they don't accept what God says, and therefore the devil makes them his plaything. He's like a roaring lion. He isn't one. He's an imitation. There's only one lion the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And he comes along and he roars. How do you resist him? Steadfast in the faith. When Jesus dealt with him, he said, it is written. It is written. It is written. He knew his rights in God. And that is the place of every Christian. It's not to turn around and start pleading for God to help you. It's not asking for mercy. It's standing, resolute, knowing what God has said. When the devil comes to accuse you, he's the accuser of the brethren, and he comes and he starts accusing you, you say, listen, Jesus Christ was delivered for my offenses and for the offenses of all. He rose again for my justification. You have no right to accuse me of anything. That is the truth. Who is your accuser? The Bible says it's God who justifies. It justified me. It's just as if I'd never sinned. I'm free. You resist him steadfast in the faith. You've got to know what you're hanging on to. You've got to know what you believe. Don't you ever think that a Christian can be ignorant. You need a study to show yourself approved. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. You need to know what the word of God says. You need to live it. So many people, the reason they get in messes is because they don't know what their salvation's about. How can you stand steadfast in the faith if you don't know what the faith is? That's why a lot of Christians are so weak. They're tossed to and fro. Disease batters them. Bondage afflicts them. Fears beset them. Why? Huh. They've never understood redemption. If they did, they'd stand. Stand against all the wiles of the wicked one. That's what God called us to do. Simple, isn't it?
Well, isn't it? Who resists steadfast in the faith? Let's turn to Isaiah 53. Surely hath borne our griefs, our diseases, and carried our afflictions. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we were healed. The healing flowed 2,000 years ago. Everything is done. It's over. It's not something you're looking for, it's something you receive and accept that God has done for you. God caused Jesus Christ to be the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. And in that day he took your sin and my sin, your offences and my offences, your diseases and my diseases, into his own body on the tree, and it has been done. It is finished. You're not asking God to do what hasn't been done. You're asking God to make real in your life what he's already done. I receive it, I believe it, therefore, because I believe what you've said, it is so. And then when the devil comes and says, Aha, you say, I resist you, the Bible says, God says, I believe him. With the mouth, confession is made into salvation. I find most people, they confess their failure instead of confessing God's word. They confess their defeat instead of resisting the devil, steadfast in the faith. How do I get faith? Faith is, comes by hearing the word of God. I hear the word of God. I know what God says. That is my basis of belief. It's not symptoms. It's not what I see. It's not what I hear. It's what God says. I believe God. That is what a Christian is. He's a believer. He believes God above everything. Doesn't matter what I see with my eyes. It matters what I hear from God. Doesn't matter what it appears. It matters what God says. God said it. Is that plain? It's a matter of saying, hey, I believe what God says is true. Simple, isn't it? Psalm 107. You all go quiet. It's true, isn't it? Psalm 107.
Verse 19, then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he saves, saveth them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. God heals not by touching. God heals not by reason of an experience. God heals by his word. A lot of people look for an experience of some waiting for someone to touch them, someone to, to give them a, a feeling. No, healing comes from God's word. He sent forth his word. His word has the healing power within it. I want to tell you the word of God created everything. God said let there be light and there was. God said let there be health and there is. God said let there be freedom and there is. God created everything. Everything is upheld by the power of his word. There's nothing in heaven or earth that doesn't consist and subsist by the word of God. Everything. He sent his word. And when Jesus came, what healed was his word. His word does the healing. Lots of people think it's somehow, oh, if a minister lays hands on them. No, the only reason people get healed is because the minister's obeying the word of God. It's the word that heals, not the laying on of hands. You do understand that. Might be laying on of feet. That would do be just as effective if God said that. He didn't. He sent his word and healed. Healing is in the word. Health is in the word. Doesn't matter what the disease is, doesn't matter what the sickness is. Sometimes I look at certain sicknesses and diseases. I tell you, it seems almost as they'll defy the living God. Well, I want to tell you something. His word has healing power within it. It doesn't matter what the disease is. It doesn't matter what the sickness is. It doesn't matter what the circumstances. It is the word that's healing. You've got to believe what God says. He sent forth his word and healed them. His word has healing power in it. Always. There is no disease, no sickness, no bondage that can stand against his word. And no affliction that can defeat that word. That is what the Bible teaches. Philippians chapter 4. Verse 19 says this, But my God shall supply what? All your need, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all your need. How? According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Let me tell you something. Look how God's going to supply. How is it? According to 
his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 17 said, you are to take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is what? The word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in bonds. And therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. All Paul wanted was freedom to open his mouth and speak boldly the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, proclaiming the good news. Resist the devil, he flee from you. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Know that the word of God is your sword and your weapon, nothing else. Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Verse 11, but Christ being come an high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands that is to say not of this building neither by the blood of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us we have eternal redemption it's not something that we're not redeemed for a moment we're not redeemed for a day, we're redeemed eternally. Christ has obtained it. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, has bought our redemption. Body, soul and spirit, you are redeemed. Nothing can alter what Christ has done for you. Your redemption, the price paid for you, is done once and for all. There's nothing can change that. You cannot be saved and redeemed and lost because once you receive redemption, it is eternal. Nothing can change it. It is not possible. Redemption is eternal redemption. I find so many Christians don't understand. If you know the redemption story and you believe what Jesus has done for you and you believe that shed blood washed you from all sin and all unrighteousness, you are eternally redeemed and nothing can ever change it. You might not live in the goodness of it all your life. You might make mistakes but the moment you realize you've made a mistake, you can turn and say, I am redeemed. 
are being redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Nothing can change it. Nothing. It is eternal. I believe that. Don't you? I can stand against all the lies of the devil. I know what God did for me. I am redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That is a wonderful testimony to be able to give. And it's the most glorious victory. Don't ever let it go. <coughs> Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 verse 6. Oh, let's take verse 5. Having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. I'm accepted in the beloved because God made me acceptable. Nothing can stop me being accepted. I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Nothing I'm made acceptable. Your acceptance with God is assured. Nothing can change it. God has decreed it. He predestined us to the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. You are accepted. That's it. A lot of people feel rejected. Oh, you know, I don't feel part. Well, it's not feeling part, it's knowing what God says. You resist the devil steadfast in the faith. God said, I'm accepted, that's it. Revelation chapter 12. It emphasizes it there. You'll find Revelation 12, verse 11. And they overcame him. How? By the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Look at verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of the brethren is cast down which accused them before our God day and night and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb by the word of their testimony do you know one of the things you overcome the devil by the word of your testimony the blood of the lamb tells me I'm redeemed eternally the word of my testimony is I'm a child of God. I'm accepted in the beloved. God has redeemed me. He was delivered for my offenses. He was raised for my justification. There is nothing, nothing in heaven or earth that can separate me from the love of God. There is nothing that can rob me of my salvation. I have been redeemed eternally by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of my testimony is, 
Christ lives in me, I live, nevertheless not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's the word of your testimony. I'm a son of God. I have power with God. God has redeemed me. Not a word of, oh well, I fail all the time, you know, I'm a weak person. Be strong. Be bold. Why? God lives in you. Hey, we can shake the earth. You know why the church is so weak and why the church is so fearful and why the church is so ineffectual? It's because the believers don't understand what God has done for them. They're crying out for revival. You don't need revival. You just need to look at the cross and look at the redemption that Christ has made for you and start to believe it and then start living in it. If you do that, the devil's in trouble. It's real. Real. I am redeemed. Wonderful. I'm free. You look every problem in the face and you say, My God is over you. Your testimony is redemption. I am redeemed. This is a lie. I won't accept it. He was delivered for my offenses. He was raised for my justification. I've re been redeemed eternally by the blood of the Lamb. You cannot have my life. You cannot have me. You have no rights. My God is my Lord and my King. What a testimony. Is that what you say? Or is it, oh God, please help me. Oh, I, I feel so bad. I need you to come and I need your power. You already have it. He sent forth his word. I need to be healed. You have it. He sent forth his word and healed. You have everything. Our God has spoken it. Hmm? Hey, it's true. By the blood of the Lamb, eternal redemption. Glory to God. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. See why I picked up, I couldn't... Um, I couldn't go on with um, singing that song. You know, hey, the devil, like blazing stars they fell. <laughs> I tell you, God chained them. Don't you get this idea there's little demons running about, poking their whatnot in you? 
whatever it is, the fork, um, trident, you know, little horns and tail and goat body. Might as well believe in fairy. God chained them. He knew you couldn't deal with angels and fallen angels. Jesus dealt with them all. Luke 1. Oh, let's take the verse. Um, hey, it's, uh, you remember Mary? Uh, we're going to sing that song in a minute, or the choir. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall it be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for with God nothing shall be impossible. You know, we look and we think, oh, it's impossible. God says, no, it's not. God makes possible the impossible. He always does. And you have to start believing God. John's Gospel, chapter 15. John 15. And I love it. In verse 15, it says this. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, that you should bring, go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of my Father in my name, he may give it you. These things I command you that you love one another. And in verse 7 of the same chapter, you find he says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. R way to get prayer answered is to let the word of God abide in you, to live in the word and to do what God says. The word has to abide inside. If you've sat here this morning and you've listened to what I've said and you've let that word get inside you and you're prepared to believe it and stand upon it and you're prepared to resist the devil steadfast in the faith and you're prepared to walk in that word, I'll tell you, you've got to abide in it. It's not a matter of this moment doing it. It's a matter of living it every day. Walking by faith, living by faith. Instead of being negative and going down, as soon as something goes wrong, you give in, you stand, my God says. That's the way to live. You defy the devil. 
Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41. Verse 10 says what? For I am with thee. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. For I am thy God, I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Is it true? Yes. Can you believe God? Yes. He said, I'll be with you. I'll strengthen you. I'll uphold you. He says, I'll do it. His right hand has gotten him the victory. We always struggle and strive instead of believing God. They overcame him. How? By the blood of the Lamb, word of their testimony, and they love not their lives unto death. They didn't live for themselves, they lived for their God. Glory to God. God says they're going to be as nothing. The enemies that strive against you, they'll be as nothing. Glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? You'll always get people who stab you in the back. That's the way it is. That's part of life. The world hates us. If it didn't hate us, we'd be wrong. We don't fit here. But I tell you, we're here to stay. They'll try and tear us down. That's what the world does. That's what the devil does. That's what his disciples do. That's their gift. But we have a greater gift. The Lord God Almighty. Fear thou not. Not afraid of their faces. We're not afraid of them. You know what the devil wants to do? He wants to make you afraid. Devil's out to destroy. Jesus has come that we might have life. The devil and his disciples hate us. Yeah, they're out to destroy us. They're out to defame us. They're out to accuse us. They're out to lie about us. That's what they do. And all their disciples do the same. Well, God says he'll bring them to nothing. My God will deal with them. Fear thou not. Glory to God. 
You know, that's why so many people, when they're Christians, they're secret Christians. They're afraid of what people are going to say. Afraid of... The, the devil makes up all kinds of lies. Aren't you allowed to stand and say, hey! You should be able to. This idea of, oh no, you're not allowed to have an opinion. Oh, in the church, because you're a Christian, you've got to be a non-opinionated person. Not at all. There are morals in God. There are righteousness in God. There are right ways to live and wrong ways to live. We've got opinions about it. We have the power and authority to stand on the living word of the living God and defy the powers of darkness and say you don't have a right to us nor to our land, nor to our people. There has to come a time. It's a war. And don't think it's a war that's political. It's a war over truth, and it's a war against God. There's a God in heaven who sits on the throne, and we have the authority. And we're free to stand in what God says. Amen? Do you believe that? That's what a walk of faith is and a life of faith. It involves your living in the flesh, how you are, the way you live, what you do. It's important for all of us. We've got to stand for our God. Amen? Let's all stand. Put your hand on your chest. He was delivered, he was delivered. for my offenses. my offenses. He was raised, he was raised. For, my for my justification. By his blood, By his blood. I've, been I've been eternally redeemed. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. By, his By his blood. Nothing can change it. Nothing can, change it. Nothing can stop it. I overcome him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of my testimony. I am a child of God. Jesus has redeemed me. It's true. And I believe it. Amen. You know, isn't that simple? Well, isn't it simple? Now, I want to tell you what happens in your daily life, in every moment of your life. You've got to stand for what's true. You've got to fight for what's right. It's not a matter of coming into church on a Sunday morning and saying, I believe it, and walking out the door and living anyway. You've got to fight for it. There has to come a time when the people of God fight for what's right. In every area of life, we're going to make a difference. That's what it's about. Let's lift up our hands to heaven. There's prayer slips here.